Hey, welcome to the XFL Extra Point Podcast, the first episode of the XFL Extra Point Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm here with Thomas. Say something so people know you exist, Thomas. Hello, I'm Thomas. <laughs> um, give us uh, a Vince McMahon impression. Say this is the XFL. <laughs> it's going to make me cough. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, wow. Nope. <laughs> Voice is not ready. Not Dude, ready to go for that, Thomas. That'll be. That'll be. All right, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hear him do it. Give me a second. <clears throat> okay. I don't know if my voice can do it. Here we go. This is the XFL. Perfect. All right. Oh, yeah. So we got a big show. Lots to talk about. You know, we just it's had the inaugural, 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 Girl, <laughs> inaugural, inaugural. draft, and um, lots of players to talk about uh, today. We're going to go through the first round of every phase. We're going to try to do a deep dive, and there's just way too many players that we haven't heard of. So, um, so I guess we're the plan is to be uploading these once a week. We both have full-time jobs, so I don't know if that's going to happen, but the plan is to upload these once a week. Um, make sure you all follow us on Twitter, at XFL Extra Point. Um, we'll be posting when we'll be posting episodes. So, I guess let's get into this. Uh, today, we're going to do draft analysis. We're also, after that, we're going to do our way-too-early predictions. You know, defensive MVP, MVP, coach of the year, who's going to win the chip, as they would say. The chip. And we're going to claim our teams. Are you ready to claim your team, Thomas? Have you thought about it? I have thought about it, but I'm going to let you go first and explain your reasoning. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do that at the end of the show. Um, so I guess we might as well just get into it. So Tuesday and Wednesday were the big draft days. We had pretty much an all-day event. How did you feel about how they did the draft overall, like, how did you follow it? Uh, I basically, since I'm working all day, I was basically just following it kind of as when I would look at my phone on the mm-hmm. XFL Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of seeing it pick by pick if I could make it. Um, I do like how they set it up to where every team gets assigned a QB, so mm-hmm. we're not kind of wasting time with the first round being six different QBs or eight because there's eight teams. Though, but, we're going to talk um, about it a little bit later. There yeah, was a quarterback taken right. in the first round. Well, and, uh-huh. So that makes some questions. You know, like, <laughs> is there going to be a QB com- uh, competition in whatever team? You're not going to spoil it. I might as well spoil so. it. Are the Houston Roughnecks going to have a QB competition <laughs> between Connor Cook and Philip Walker? Perhaps. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. The season... Know. I was watching, uh, we'll get into it more when we uh, do the episode on Tier 1 quarterbacks, but I was watching those Philip Walker highlights, and I was like, all right, this guy's pretty dynamic. I wasn't expecting uh, yeah. him to take Connor Cook, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Though I feel like Connor Cook could have been one of those first round, or those Tier 1 quarterbacks. He was very, he was the same thing as Kirk Cousins, where people loved him going into the draft, or he was everyone's favorite underrated prospect. But, 
I mean, I and then he got thrown into the absolute fire with the Raiders and got decimated, but that's not his fault, really. <laughs> so who knows? All right. Well, uh, I guess I didn't say my opinions on how the draft went. Um, I so I I started out following it on Twitter, and I was like, oh my god, this is a fucking mess. <laughs> like, I was following Jesus. like I was following the XFL page and I was following all the team pages and just players were coming out of random and I was like I don't know when these players are going to pick. And then I found that they were actually streaming the draft like this really like makeshift way. They were just streaming it on YouTube and there was like a guy. It was like it was like a guy's computer screen and he was dragging his mouse and like starting the timer and stopping the timer and then the picks would pop up. And I know I heard a lot of people saying like you know, it was cool at first, but then it was like five hours of just like this guy's computer screen and there was like no background music and it would be like sometimes there was no audio and then you'd hear like some weird like just background yeah. echoey audio. I had it on mute and it was good because I was working and I could just like kind of because I'm on my computer. I can just kind of look at it while I was working. But I, don't know, I thought it was OK. I mean, they don't have NFL money. They're not going to televise it on TV, but. I mean, it was honestly, a- to be perfectly honest, I would have rather them just kind of do it and then be like, "All right, here are the teams." I feel like that was probably the best way to see the results. Like, I was trying to follow, it and I was like, "I don't know this player. I, why am I watching this?" I was like, yeah. "Who is this?" Oh, I'm like, "Oh, a and name. then I guess people." Do. And then yeah, I see Willie oh, Beaver. Oh. I see Willie Beaver <laughs> fucking tied with Damian Mama for the best name in the league right now. But all right, so I guess so. we've talked enough about the format. Let's uh let's get into phase one, the skill players, round one, and the first overall pick from the DC defenders, Rashard Dayton. Oh, I said Rashad. Is it Rashad or Rashard? I think it's Rashard. Oh God, we can't fuck this up <laughs> out of the gate. Oh, I, I think it's Rashard. I think it's Rashard Dayton, no. a guy none of us have ever heard of, and not at all who we thought was the first oh, overall sad. pick. Um, say say that part again, but say Rashard. Okay. So we're going to start with phase one, skill players, round one, and the D.C. defenders with the first overall pick in the XFL draft picked Rashard Davis, wide receiver out of James Madison University. I think this is a guy that none of us expected to go first because none of us have ever heard of this guy. I've never even heard of James Madison University. (laughs) I think a lot of it is just we don't really know how they were going to there, there was really no fanfare. Like, the XFL Twitter page did release, like, here's the draft pool. Here's what's going down. This is what we're going off of. But it's not like, you know, it's not like we're going off of, like, oh, well, you know, Tua Tagliavoa clearly is going to be one of the first players picked because he had the best year before. So I think there was a lot of just unknown going into this. So can't fault us too much for not knowing who some of these players are. I mean, I feel like no one knew who most of these players were. They did, like, on Twitter – before the draft have like some little highlight videos of some of the bigger names. Surprisingly, a lot of those names weren't like first round guys. Yeah. uh, You know, like, like Andre Williams, they had a little hype package for him, but he went in like seventh round or something. I mean, I'll talk about him later, but anyway, Rashard, Rashard, not Rashad, Rashard Davis. Um, He was an FCS champion in 2016, uh, second team FCS all American. And he got the CA Special Teams Player of the Year. So he was kind of, from what I watched, is he was more of just like an athlete. Because mm-hmm. what, what I, when I was doing some research on him, it was like he had defensive snaps. He was a returner. Mm-hmm. He was a wide receiver. I mean, yep. I, just, I, I guess you're just taking a guy who's fast 
and athletic <laughs> and just hoping he'll play yeah. on their, something on your team. And that's mm-hmm. probably smart. Well, I mean, yeah, if he can fill a hole just from athleticism, why not? Especially when right. you're at that level of college football. So. But, uh, I mean, is he going to be their star player? Like, with the first overall pick, so. it's got to be the star player in the league, right? You'd, you'd be thinking yeah. that's the best player available. Is that the guy? I would think so think? just because of his, his measurables and his proven production in college. Uh, I know he didn't really stick around nowhere in the NFL, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's just – he is small. Um, he's just mm-hmm. very tiny. Even for a developmental league, he is quite tiny uh, at mm-hmm. 5'8", 175-ish. Uh, whenever you're south of 185, that's when it's kind of like, ooh, well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the you know the football is football and you're going to take hits. And the smaller frame you are, the more likely you are to get injured. So I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't quite stick in the NFL. And 5'8", you're, you are a little. Um, <laughs> it's not a knock on him at all. He's a better athlete than I would have, of course. Yeah, but Kyle Murray can also throw a ball about 80 yards. So, Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess there's not much more to say about him. Um, he was somewhat productive in college, but not – I mean, not not flashy numbers, and so we'll just see. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that first pick, but he could prove me wrong, get MVP, and then who knows? I mean, maybe he'll make the NFL actual roster instead of a practice squad. All right, so next we've got Houston's pick, the second pick, and they took quarterback Connor Cook out of Michigan State. And that mm-hmm. was, we were talking a little bit about it earlier, how mm-hmm. that's – it's just it's confusing for me. I didn't think a quarterback would go in the first round because of those tier one assignments. And do you have confidence? That, you know what kind of confidence level does that show from Houston towards Philip Walker? I mean, well, I also think that I mean you're dealing with relatively unknowns um, since because you don't know kind of how the skill level is going to match up at this level of professional football. So competition is good. I mean. If Connor Cook ends up winning the QB competition, you really lose nothing. If Connor Cook doesn't win, then eh, whatever. I mean, it's the first season. Expectations are almost nothing. So, whatever. Well, so from what my understanding, I don't think this has been confirmed yet. If it has, I'm dumb. I think they mm-hmm. paid those tier one quarterbacks like a lot more money than everyone else. Yeah. So it's like you bring in a quarterback and then you end up not starting this guy that's getting paid the most money. I bet you the XFL is not going to be happy about that. They're like, why didn't you make Connor Cook your fucking tier one quarterback if you're going to start? Well, but if he sucks, excuse me, if Connor Cook ends up winning and is better and they win more games and that's more viewers, more blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And plus the talent pool that will go to the XFL is only going to increase if the XFL sticks around because it's – a successful developmental league, there's just going to be more players funneling to that. Right. So. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about Connor Cook as a as a? Can he be a starter in the XFL? I mean, I think, you know, he he was great in college, right? So mm-hmm. he had big game experience, and from what I was watching of him, actually as a passer, he's fairly uh, good at his timing, and he's kind of willing to stay in the pocket, but. I'm just not sure about the accuracy, and I just don't know about him. He's more of a game manager kind of player to me. Mm-hmm. So I, which it's like, you know, do I want that in my quarterback? You see the most successful quarterbacks in the NFL, and I don't 
maybe that works well for the XFL game manager, but I'm, I think in the, in the NFL now you're wanting guys who are big play guys, guys who scare um, the DBs just over the top. So how do you feel about that? Well, uh, my big thing with Connor Cook is uh, going into the draft process when he was coming out of Michigan State, uh, he was, as I talked about earlier, he was kind of everyone's favorite. Oh, this guy's going to be an underrated gem. You know, he'll start for your team someday and win games. And he kind of got handed a shit situation where he had to come in for, I don't even remember who the Raiders QB was at that time, but he was like the third stringer. And then I believe the second string was actually Matt McGloin, but I could be dead wrong, so don't take that into account, I guess. But he basically had to come and play the Texans on his rookie season when he was just not ready, and it was evident he was not ready uh, as he did not play very well. Um, Now, that's not an indictment of how he will be in the XFL because the competition level is lower and he'll have a full offseason to kind of figure things out. But Connor Cook is okay. Um... He's an unknown commodity still, just because he hasn't really played a lot. Um, and when he has played, he just clearly hasn't been ready. So, all right, all right. Well, unknown I, commodity. I guess we'll move on um, to the New York Guardians pick, and they went like most other teams with a wide receiver in the first round. They took D'Angelo Yancey out of Purdue. Now, this is a guy I haven't really heard of, and that's going to be for most of these players. And that's something I'm going to say for most of these players. But from looking at his measurables, I mean, 6'2", 220, he's a big guy from what I can tell, and more of a red zone threat type of guy. Um, 35 and a half vert, I think what they're going to use him for is just in the red zone trying to get, you know, those touchdowns and just kind of be their their red zone threat. What do you think? Yeah. Well, in college, uh, he was most known for being able to kind of just he has a lot of long speed and can climb over the top of smaller DBs. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he was used for more at Purdue. Um, but the problem with that is if that's really the only thing you can do, then you, you really can't play in the NFL because you need to be diverse and you need to be able to run routes and you need to be able to change direction. Um, also in college, uh, drops were a problem for him. I don't know if that's improved right. because he hasn't played very much in the NFL for me to see. But um, he's... You know, you can't be a receiver and not catch the ball. So, well, um, I do like his size, and he yes. knows he's not slow for mm-hmm. three. That's not slow. So, yeah, he's got the long speed. He's just very, he's very like everyone was saying. Oh, DK Metcalf can't change directions. He's a boat. It's like this guy actually, actually, like can't change direction. <laughs> So like this is this guy is everything people said the negatives of DK Metcalf were. He's a big body who can run straight, and that's my least favorite type of wide receiver. Got you for me. Okay, well, not much to say about him uh, anymore. Let's move on to Dallas's pick. Um, now I'm gonna maybe say his name wrong. Jeff Bidet, right? <laughs> or is it Bad Ed? Is it a Bidet like in Jeff a toilet? I, I was gonna say like the toilet. I mean, I hope it's not Jeff Bidet, because that would just be unfortunate now, for him. I, I did watch some tape a little bit on him, and he's, I mean, hit 40 times, a 4-2-7. I mean, this guy's fast at a 39-and-a-half vert. He kind of seems versatile. Like, I'm just, you know, apparently he was on the Vikings practice squad, you know. I got to give him some love just because of that. 
Mm, so Jeff Bidet, I really hope his name is. <laughs> see, I don't know if I should hope it is Bidet because then if we're saying it right and we're laughing at his name, it's like, oh man, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Jeff Bidet, he is your classic uh, Big 12 receiver. He is fast and he doesn't run a lot of routes, but he is a plus, plus, plus athlete. Um, and just not very nuanced in his route running. So you'll see those guys break off a big play uh, in the pros, but then kind of go quiet simply because they don't have the proficiency to get open on the route trees and stuff like that. Right. Um, but that's basically my opinion on him, which is un- unfortunate because that's just my brain. Usually receivers in the Big 12, unless you're unless you stand out, I'm, that's kind of how just how I feel about most Big 12 uh, receivers because that's usually how it is. So why do you think he went undrafted? Because I, I mean, he's just a—he just seems he's very fast. That's a good vertical. He's not small at six feet. He's under one eighty-five, like you said, but he is six feet tall. What I mean, I don't know. He's—he's he's a thin wide receiver, um, and you can in the NFL if you can be short, but being thin is a concern. Um, the, 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 the <coughs> excuse me. Damn, Thomas, drink some water. I, I have a gallon next to me today. <laughs> um, but the smallest guy that I can think of that even made an NFL team made the team was, I believe his name is Brandon Banks. He was the Redskins kick return for a while, and he was like 5'10", 168. And about every time he got hit, it looked like he was dying. Okay. Um, so even though, you know, 178 is obviously not 168, but thin wide receivers that aren't quite that great at route running are not looked kindly upon just because they kind of have to teach them basic stuff that they don't have time to teach them at that professional level. Gotcha. So even though he is in a, a plus, plus, plus athlete, if you can't run routes, you can't play. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, oh, actually, I kind of want to go back for a second just to mention okay. to see a trend with Dallas mm-hmm. where they're going to love Oklahoma players because of their coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just yeah. going to see that a lot. Yeah. Bob Stoops is just going to. That is a plus, though, because if your coach that I don't know if Stoops coached in the college, I assume he did because Stoops was did, there forever. Yeah. But uh, if Stoops recruited you or you know, liked you and then wanted to bring you on to his professional team, that's probably a good sign. Gotcha. But whatever. Maybe chemistry, Landry Jones. I think I think that might work and well, you might be on something there. Maybe they have a good strategy there. Just make it a college team. <laughs> just make it that Oklahoma <laughs> team. Basically it is a college team. They just get paid. Right. All right. So let's move on to the next pick, Tampa Bay's pick. And this is actually <laughs> as controversial as this pick was my favorite pick in this first round. And that is Nick Trustel is how I'm going to assume you say his name. He's a tight end at uh, Grand Rapids Community College. So what were you going to say? How do you think you, you pronounce his name? Sorry, I was going to say maybe Truesdale. See, I was thinking Truesdale, and then I was like, maybe it's Trustel. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. Truesdale makes more sense. Truesdale, Trustel. I mean, it could, but it could be Trustel. Well, no, because the S. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> enough about his name. This is a community college guy getting picked in the first round of the XFL draft. And That's pretty good. I, I don't know how much you know about this player, but I was doing my research and I was like, who the fuck is this guy, right? Because there's not a lot about this community college player. 
And so I have to de- dig into articles to learn about this guy. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy is a beast. Because he is 6'5", and he was, you know, not a guy that was recruited out of college, obviously. He went and played arena football and um, indoor football. And he eventually got invited to, um, what do they call it, a veteran, like the pro combines. And so at that pro combine, he ran a 4.47 in the 40, which just a 6'5 dude running a 4.47 just sounds terrifying to me, especially at 246. And even though he's 29, this guy just seems like he could, you know, there's a reason he was taken the first round. I mean, when after he ran that 447, yes. he got nine contract offers from NFL teams. Now, he didn't work out on yes. any of them. <laughs> but, and something else that I had noted when I was doing my research, there was one season when he was playing arena football, and I forget the name of the team that he was playing on in the arena football league, but in one season, he racked up like 1,300 receiving yards and like 27 touchdowns, and that's like almost all of his, his arena football stats are from that one season even though he played three years in the uh, was AFL, Arena Football League. So, you have anything? Do you know anything about this guy? Probably not. Um, I know nothing. And, in <laughs> fact, while you were talking, I tried to do some quick speedy research and came up with everything that you said. Um, the only thing I'd say is while his measurables are impressive, um, it – also, at his measurables, I kind of I'm assuming that he can't block, right? Um, and that's not necessarily like there are a lot of tight ends in the league that can't block, but they can at least kind of get in the way. I'm assuming this guy just can't do it and just he's incapable of doing it, um, which is whatever. But then that just makes you a longer receiver that even though he can run as fast as he can run the straight line, might not be able to move laterally and change direction to where right. he can actually kind of get open in the seam or something like that. So he has been on three practice squads. And, I mean, that's not to say that, oh, well, you should have had your shot in three practice squads. Stuff happens. I mean, people get better at the sport, so it's not saying that he sucks. But I could be totally wrong. He might be the best blocker, you know, this side of the fucking Mississippi. But I just – that's – when I see that and I see doesn't stick in the NFL, that's what I think. Okay. Well, but I know nothing about him. So here's going to be me defending him. What (sighs) does he need to block? I mean, we've seen, you know, tight ends that can't block in the NFL. I mean, Jimmy Graham was just a glorified receiver (laughs) for the saints. Like, so, so yes, he was. And he lined up at receiver. And that's why he ended up hating the saints because he wanted to get paid as a receiver. And they were like, nah, dog, you a tight end homie. Well, that's not going to be an issue here. I think they'll be lining him up at receiver. I think this guy is going to be an athletic freak. And I'm not going to – I mean, maybe, I mean, especially with the lower defensive talent in the XFL than there is in the NFL. I'm, so, I'm not willing maybe. to say this guy is going to be the MVP. But I'm just going to say maybe we're going to know mm-hmm. this guy's name and maybe he's going to get some NFL offers. We'll see. We'll see. Possibly. Possibly. All right, let's move on to a guy that is a familiar name for the oh. St. Louis Battlehawks. It is – Kristen Michael, not Christine, Kristen. Christine. I, I've been hearing that. Like I've been watching some of these recaps of the draft. Everyone still says Christine Michaels, and I thought it was Christine Mike, Michaels. Christine Michael, 
but um, I was on a, I was looking, I was researching him, and there was an actual pronunciation of his name, and it was Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to say about that, Christine. Kristen. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I was, I was said Kristen or God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I always said uh, Kristen Michael. So. Oh, you did. That's just how I read it. So. You, you actually knew it was Kristen. Yeah. Wow. Look at you. Yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I know my players, you know what I mean? Well, he was a running back out of Texas A&M. Super Bowl 48 champion with the Seahawks. Big 12, Offensive Freshman of the Year, 2009. Drafted in the second round by the Seahawks in the 2013 draft. And he um, got to play with the Seahawks for a little while. I think it was something like four years in total. But... Mm-hmm. I just, he never really, I mean, you've seen, they've gone through so many running backs. He never really stuck in the NFL as, he's been a backup guy. And now he's in the XFL. He didn't do much in um, the NFL. He rushed for 1,089 yards while he was in the NFL and 4.3 yards per carry and seven TDs. But if you look how long he played, not that impressive. So what, what do you think about him? So, Chris DeMichael uh, is basically your jack-of-all-trades. can do anything that you want him to do on the field. Uh, he's basically decent at everything, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, the fact that he's just kind of decent at everything means he doesn't really excel at anything in particular. Uh, he'll have flashes, and he had a few flashes when he was on the Seahawks of, like, he can kind of break tackles and make guys miss and do something when he has the ball in his hands in the open field. But at the same time, whether this is his fault or the way the Seahawks ran their offense's fault, I mean, a lot of it was just like, march on, is tired, here's the ball. Dude, run up the middle, see what you can get. So, which I love Kristen Michael. Um, he kind of was – he was the running back for AM when I really kind of started to watch college football more seriously. So he was a very exciting player at AM and it kind of – he's only been on, you know, like four teams. In my brain, he's been on almost every team in the NFL. Um, whenever I play Madden and I draft a running back late because running backs don't matter, I, I draft my boy. So that's, uh, that's, that's my analysis on Kristen Michael. Well, that's a debate for another show whether running backs matter or not but because I have very different opinions than you. But we'll move on. I mean, we're kind of running behind a little bit, so we're going to have to speed this up. And we're probably not going to go as much in depth into the next few rounds because, honestly, I'm not going to know much about them. You might. <laughs> but I think my expertise and my knowledge is going to, and my ability to watch film is going to come a lot from these skill guys. And so we'll see. I, I, I might have a few opinions on a couple guys, but for the most part, this is where I'm going to be most helpful. Um, so next up is the Seattle Dragons, and they selected Trey Williams, another running back out of Texas A&M, so that's back-to-back Texas A&M running backs. Another mm-hmm. undrafted guy. He was actually able to make some rosters, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Colts, the Cowboys again, and some practice squads. He was able to play in the CFL. Actually, he was only on the practice roster, so I guess he wasn't good enough to make an actual roster of the CFL, but I'm not going to make him. You know, maybe he just got signed to another team, and maybe an NFL team or something. I don't know. But so you have any opinions on Trey Williams 
out of Texas A&M. Uh, Trey Williams is a full-time kick returner in the NFL. Uh, he may not be that in the XFL, but to compare him to an NFL player, I, I don't want to say um, – hold on. Justin, what's the name of that guy in the Eagles? Ah, sorry. Um, I don't want to say Darren Sproles because that's lazy. Because, oh, I think of a guy who's just speed and kind of a gadget player, Darren Sproles. Um, but that's honestly what I think of when I come what, what comes to mind. Uh, players like Darren Sproles, players like Duke Johnson, um, that's kind of what Trey Williams is. Uh, he's a change of pace at best. He's got the speed and he's got the juice to to – make something happen, but he he can't carry the load, I don't think, for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll being, see how he does the next For being 5'8", I feel like a 4'4", 9'40", isn't blowing me away, you know? Well, yeah, the, uh, I mean, that's 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 pretty fast. Pretty fast, um, but I mean, for if, if your whole thing is that I'm this really fast, small mm-hmm. guy... I don't know. I feel like I'd want a little bit faster, and I'm not blown away by the number. It's a good number. Sub four five is good. It's yeah. great. But I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I mean, there's a reason they picked him the first round. I assume the Seattle Dragons know what they're doing, and I'm just. He'll probably be used more as like just a. I don't think he'll be used as a running back. I think he'll be used as guy who plays offense, who can kind of plug and play. So like Richard Davis. Years be here. Yeah. Right. Precisely. So we're seeing that. You want versatility with your players. And I do think a lot of people are surprised and we go in this little breakdown before we go mm-hmm. on to the next pick, but I am surprised by you know how many you, I think my assumption going into it was there's gonna be a lot of big name guys going in these first rounds. It's gonna be mm-hmm. people that I knew and people that yeah. everyone knows and who had had a name in the NFL. And I think the coaches were like we're not going to find talent in guys who were in the NFL but weren't amazing in the NFL. We're going to find talent in guys who didn't even get a shot, really. And I think that's probably yeah. what the and plus what the mindset was. Yeah, probably going into this first year, absolutely. Um, I think that'll change if the XFL sticks uh, for at least a couple more years. So I think they'll just they'll get more talent and known talent from uh, the college pool of players who either don't go drafted or think they can do better, which, you know, whatever. But um, I think it'll, it'll only get better from here. So you the, the more that the XFL sticks around, the more name talent it will have. Right. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next pick and the final pick of this first round of Phase 1, and it's going to be the L.A. Wildcats pick, Elijah Hood, running back out of North Carolina. And... Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guy who got drafted in the NFL, though seventh round by the Oakland Raiders. He was able to find his way on the two NFL rosters, on the actual rosters with the Raiders and the Panthers, and then most recently the practice squad of the Jaguars in 2019. He actually did rack up some pretty good college numbers from what I could tell. He's not gigantic, but 5'11", 232 is pretty big, and 4.57 speed for that size is pretty good. So what are, what are your opinions on him? Uh, so first off... Uh, Panthers can fuck off forever because they cut this dude, I think, the first day of t- training camp oh. when they moved his family there and everything, so they can <laughs> fuck off forever. Okay. Not a good move. Uh, you look like shit. But anyways, um, Elijah Hood is a big feller. Uh, he's 
I would describe him as a grinder, which is great for college ball and is great for in my mind. But in the NFL, your strategy can't be first and 10, get two yards. Gotcha. Um, which is unfortunate for Elijah Hood, but that's what it is. Uh, he's not really much of a receiver because he was never really used that way because why would you? Um, he can break one tackle in the open field, but he's usually not – or he's not fast enough or quick enough to be able to do anything after that. Uh, he'll usually get called from behind if he manages to make the first guy miss. So. Got you. Okay. And thing to note, he did have 29 touchdowns in college. So if you're one of those guys who uh, plays spring league fantasy football, which I can't believe some <laughs> people do, but people do, maybe this is a fantasy yeah. option if you want a guy who gets a lot of touchdowns because I feel like this is going to be L.A.'s red zone guy. They're just going to be on the one-yard line. They need a touchdown. This is the guy they're going to hand it to. So now we're going to go through um, just kind of the rosters, not the rosters per se, but just who these teams selected in this first phase and just if there's anyone you want to kind of call out and just say what team they're on. Um, is there anyone you just want to pick out here? So out of the D.C. defenders, the two guys who I really like are Orson Charles, who is the tight end out of Georgia, and Tyree Jackson, who's a quarterback out of Buffalo. So Orson Charles – um, he played for the Browns most recently, and he has one of the best mic'd up moments of all time where he's yelling at Baker Mayfield about how just basically just, just going nuts and telling him how he's got this. We got this We're behind you, Baker. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Blah, blah, blah. And Baker is like, yeah, yeah, man. And then Baker turns around, goes by the tunnel. like, that guy's a fucking psycho. <laughs> but I love more Charles. He's a good blocker. He's a decent receiver. Love Orson Charles. He's great. Uh, need more need more characters in the NFL just because it's it's gets a little stale otherwise. Uh, Tyree Jackson's the other guy I like on uh, <clears throat> on DC. Uh, he was developmental prospect coming out of Buffalo. He's very tall, very big, can throw the ball about ninety yards. That's great. Um, I mean, developmental prospects who get treated like developmental prospects are good. If they get treated like first-round talent, like other developmental prospects, then that's annoying. But mm -hmm. when they get treated like developmental prospects, that's great. Uh, I just So for me, with the D.C. defenders, I want to bring up Danelle Pumphrey just because I got to see him play live a few times while he was at San Diego State. And if I'm right about this, he's the third all-time leading rusher in college football. And I know he played Mountain West competition, and he's one of those smaller guys, the very small guys, and he never was able to last in the NFL, even though I think he only got two seasons, a shot at two seasons, but he can catch the ball, he can make guys miss, and I think in a league like this where it's not going to be elite-level talent like you saw in the NFL, he could maybe thrive here, and that's something to just kind of look out for, and I think he could have he can have a good season with the D.C. defenders. And the other guy I kind of marked here was Max McCaffrey, and only because he's Christian McCaffrey's brother. <laughs> Well, I, I was wondering what you were going to say because I was like, well, I know he's Christian McCaffrey's brother. I don't know nothing else about him. So. He's uh, Christian McCaffrey's brother, and Christian McCaffrey's good, so maybe Max McCaffrey will be good. Who knows? All right. Um, maybe. If you uh, For the, the Roughnecks, I had wrote, I had marked Sammy Coates just because he's a guy with some NFL experience, and I know he had shit for hands with the Steelers and – I yes. could not last with the Steelers, and maybe this is what he needs. And, and the Browns. 
Browns. Oh, was he on the Browns? I didn't even know he was on the Browns. Yes, the Steelers, tra- the Steelers traded him to the Browns, and then he proceeded to run in straight lines fast and drop many touchdowns. But, you know, maybe this is where this is where maybe he can make a comeback and hopefully get back onto an NFL roster because he got there the first time. There's, there's a reason, guys, to make it in the NFL and get drafted. In the if all you need to do is run in a straight line fast, he's your guy. <laughs> Anything else? I would find somebody else. Hey, just maybe more time at practice. I don't know. But um, and last yeah. for the Roughnecks, I wanted to mention Andre Williams just because he was another good guy who was great in college, and he's going to be the bruiser for the Roughnecks. And another guy I think I would highlight if you're going to play fantasy football that he's going to get a lot of touchdowns. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be their RB one, but he's definitely a guy you're going to put in in short yardage situations. So. A thing I wanted to note about the Roughnecks, which I didn't really mention, they didn't take a tight end at all, <laughs> ever, <laughs> even in the open face. Ever. They don't have a tight end on their roster, so they're just going to be playing with no – I know they're going to be doing that run-and-shoot offense, and they're going to be doing um, no tight ends. That's the plan. Uh, let's see, the Guardians, DeMarcus Ayers, he was great at Houston. He was not amazing on the Steelers, but he was – He's somebody to look out for. And then do you want a Justin Stockton? That's a guy you wanted to mention. Justin Stockton, he can run not in between the tackles, but he can run outside of the tackles. Very nice. Uh, as soon as he turns up field, uh, goodbye. He's got breakaway speed. Uh, he played for the whatever AFF team was like the firemen or something. He played for them. Uh, he was arguably the best offensive player on their team. Um, uh, before that league folded, uh, that team also had the best uniforms in the AF, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> They're like yellow and green. Um, but whatever. Uh, yeah, Justin Stockton. He's a solid athlete, solid dude. I think they'll, I think they'll do pretty good. Uh, and the last guy I just really want to mention for this, um, this phase one is Stacy Coley. And he was a former Vikings guy, and that's the only reason I really know who he is. But I remember coming out when when we drafted him in, like, the seventh round or something. There was like, is he going to be that third wide receiver on the Vikings? And I, there was a lot of promise, and it just never panned out. He's a guy I'm just looking forward to to see what he does. All these guys I want to mention aren't necessarily people I know a ton about, but they're guys I'm interested in, and I kind of want to see how they do in the XFL, so... So uh, a couple other guys I'm going to mention real quick here uh, on the Tampa Bay Vipers. Devion Smith, who's a running back out of Michigan. Uh, at Michigan, he was great. Always fought for yards after contact. Never really gave up. Uh, that's big for running back. He also had a little work as a receiver. Um, he's just probably not fast enough, per se, to be in the NFL. But uh, we'll see how he does in the XFL. Quentin Flowers, who is actually the was the quarterback for USF when he was there. Uh, has a really great story, really great story, and uh, just asked to play running back because he is very fast. Uh, St. Louis Battlehawks, Jordan Tamu, I think is going to be very, very, very good. Uh, Broken Roback is my boy, uh, not even just because of Hard Knocks, but I was I was there before the fame. Mm-hmm. Um, let me know. Stop me if you want to talk about somebody that I skipped over. No, no. Um, yeah, power through these guys. Okay. All right, uh, Ishmael Hyman, really liked him when he was on the Browns. Uh, thought he would stick, but we have too many receivers that can't catch. On the Seattle Dragons, Keenan Reynolds, uh, he was one of the guys who, for some reason, the armed forces were like, actually, 
you have to serve a year in the military before you can play football for some reason. Just you. Don't know why. Uh, he was very, very good as the quarterback for Navy. That was when Navy was actually quite good. Um, but he is a wide receiver now because he's just a freak athlete. And that is all I wanted to cover from there really quick. All right. So we can move on. We're going to move on to phase two, the offensive lineman. I think we're going to go through pretty quick. There's not a lot to talk about with these guys because lots of them didn't get playing time in the NFL. And we're just going to – for me, it's going to be about size and strength and speed for these guys. It's all about size with you. Yeah, size is the most, most important thing for me. But, you know, if it's little right, and they know right. how to make it work, you know, it can be impressive. Yeah. We're going to see that with a couple guys who I think are shorter than average. So um, the first pick in this second phase – was the L.A. Wildcats where they picked a guy named Storm Norton, an offensive tackle out of Toledo. Um, he was undrafted. He was actually able to land on the Lions roster and the Vikings roster. So don't know this guy, but he was on the Vikings at some point and was on our actual roster. So I don't I don't know. I, I think we didn't establish this early on. But they probably figured this out by now. I'm a Vikings fan. He's a Browns mm-hmm. fan. And yes, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. You're gonna, yeah, he's a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> but um, yeah. but I'm a real Cleveland Browns fan. Mm-hmm. I was there for the Colt McCoy years, the Brandon Wheaton years. So I don't want to hear no nonsense. Gotcha. Not that there'd be a bandwagon right now, but maybe by the time this comes out, whatever. Um, all right. So he was he's a six eight guy, three hundred and eleven, which seems sort of light to me for a guy who's six eight, but um, a five. One, two, 40, and 15 reps on the bench, which is another thing that scares me. Mm-hmm. Though you have your opinions as bench. We were talking about this before. I just think that's sort yes. of low. Uh, I think the bench press, uh, it is low for an offensive lineman, but also uh, Storm Norton has something crazy like like 34-inch arms, <laughs> which is well above average for offensive linemen. And if you have that long of arms, that's it's literally – like bench press is just harder for you. It's there's no if and or buts about it. It's just harder for you. Yeah. Um. So, but uh, one of the knocks against Storm is that he does not have very good play strength, and although his balance is pretty good and he doesn't know how to use his length, um, if you get in his face, he can't really, he can't really get you off of him gotcha. and kind of where he wants you to be. So, all right, maybe legit, maybe not. I still hate the bench press at the combine. Gotcha. All right, well, we're going to move on to the next pick. As I said, we're going to fly through this round probably. Uh, Seattle Dragons, they went with Isaiah Battle, an offensive tackle out of Clemson. He was drafted in the fifth round by the St. Louis Rams. He spent some time with the Rams and the Seahawks, also on the Chiefs practice squad and the Panthers practice squad. 6'7 guy, 370, that's a big dude. A 5'2'1, which Mm -hmm. seems fast for a big dude. Mm -hmm. 12 reps Mm -hmm. on the bench. Yes. So uh, some of these, some of these, some of these bench reps might seem unimpressive, but you again, you have to take into account that these guys' arms are probably three times the length of regular people's. <coughs> um, so that makes it more difficult. Uh, Isaiah Battle has had tremendous upside forever because he is huge. Um, I mean, he's huge and athletic. That'll usually get you a job in the NFL, especially on the O line. Uh, he was taking the supplemental draft because he's had a lot of off-field issues. Uh, he failed multiple drug tests at Clemson, which 
it's not a big deal, really. I mean, it is, but it, I mean, whatever. But he's also gotten into alter not altercations, makes sound like a fight, but like he's been called uncoachable by many scouts and also his own college coaches. Um, so that's that's not good. That's basically that's like a kiss of death. Um, if you can't take hard coaching and you go to the NFL, uh, good luck to you because it's not going to be fun. But maybe the XFL, you don't need to be. I mean, if you're an asshole, I don't want to call this guy an asshole, but I'm going to call him an asshole just from what I've read. He might be an outstanding person, maybe a guy I want to get a beer with. But if you're kind of an asshole in the XFL, that might, I don't know if that's going to be more of a detriment than it is in the NFL, but it might because you might not respect, if you didn't respect NFL coaches. (laughs) Well, yeah. But his talent, um, his talent outweighed that in college. It did not weigh that in the NFL, but maybe his talent will be enough that it outweighs his baggage in the XFL. So, who knows? We'll see. All right, we're going to move on to, I almost said the St. Louis Rams, the St. Louis Battlehawks (laughs) pick, Matt McCants, an offensive tackle out of UAB. He was an all-conference USA first-team selection in 2010 and 2011. He's an older guy at 30. Um, Not a gigantic dude. 6'5", that's, that's a gigantic dude. I mean, if I met this guy, he'd be a huge dude. But in comparison to other offensive linemen, 309 pounds, 6'5", um, a 5'5", 40, not incredibly fast. And another, from what seems to me to be a low uh, bench, 17 reps. Uh, do you, this guy so, on the Cleveland Browns at some point, I could see. So Yes. <laughs> um, Matt McCants is, or was, when he was drafted at that time, a developmental prospect. Uh, when he was drafted, I believe he was something like 280, 290, which is, you're not starting on an offensive line at that weight. Um, he's always had, he's always been a decent athlete, but he's always, because he's always been kind of smaller. So he's gotten a little bigger, um, but you know, he hasn't stuck anywhere and he's already 30. So he'll be a veteran presence. Uh, he'll kind of know what's going on. He'll know how to operate. Um, I don't expect him to be a cornerstone of a franchise though, even if it's in the XFL. But what do I know? Right. What do you know? More than me. Obviously, <laughs> I know. I know how big people are. You know everything else. Um, I yes. guess I want to throw this little disclaimer in. If you've gone this far, uh, I don't think most of the episodes of this podcast are going to be like this. I think we're more opinion guys yeah. than we are. Um, we are pure like stats and like crushing the numbers. Uh, yeah, but this is kind of the nature of this episode: is that we have to go through all these players that we knew nothing about and no one for the most part knows anything about and try to inform yeah. some people. So that's just going to be the nature of this episode. And I think once we get into our predictions later and choosing our teams, you're going to see a little bit more of what the show is going to be like. Uh, but let's move on yes. to the Tampa Bay Vipers with their first uh, offensive line selection and the first non tackle selection in this round, Jordan McCray out of UCF, a center, another undrafted guy, but was able to make the Packers roster, the Vikings roster, and the Bears roster. Uh, 6'3", which, you know, that's short, but he's a center, and that's sort of expected. Uh, 322, so even though he's 6'3", he weighs more than, what was the last guy's name? Matt McCants, he weighs more than him, and he's 6'3". Thick boy. Slow with the 5'5", 3, not incredibly slow, but, you know, for being a shorter guy. And here we go, here's what I was looking for. 33 reps on the bench. That's a strong dude. 
That is a strong dude. Uh, his arms are also significantly shorter, and he's just stockier. Uh, 6'3 is short, I guess, for an offensive lineman. Um, but for a center or an interior lineman, it's really not that bad. Uh, and it does help because you don't need the lengthy guys out inside the interior. You need those guys on the on the edge of the line. So, uh, yeah, I that's all about, that's about all I can tell you about Jordan McRae. The McRae family, all three brothers, I believe, went to UCF. Uh, one of them's on the Browns, and he's doing okay. That's that's about all I can give you on Jordan we'll McRae. We'll do, and that's pretty much we'll give you the Max McCaffrey approach. His brother, <laughs> I would is, is his brother good? Uh, it's okay. He's all right. I mean, he started at right tackle, and we literally like picked him up off the streets and played fine. So that's okay. All right. Well, we're gonna move on to the Dallas selection here, and arguably the best name in the XFL, <laughs> Willie Beavers, offensive tackle out of Western Michigan, drafted in the fourth round by the Vikings. And I don't know why his actually I do somewhat remember a Beavers. <laughs> I do remember <laughs> Mister Beavers. I may have at one time considered buying a Beavers jersey. But uh, he played with the Vikings for one season. And then after that, he was relegated to uh, a bunch of practice squads. You know, he hasn't been out of the college level for too long, 2016. But he's already been on one, two, three, four, five teams. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see a lot with these XFL players. Uh, 6'4", 324, good size. Nothing amazing, but that's... Pretty good size. Uh, 40 yard was a 5.28 and he benched 20. I'm not mad at 20 reps. I think once you get over 20, I'm feeling okay about it. Uh, so what? what's your deep analysis on this? Deep analysis is he is an athlete that was able to out-athlete people because he played at Western Michigan, but um, his technique is not very good. So when he got to the NFL and he had people who – are 280 and can bend around a corner like nobody's business, he had trouble, and he's continued to have trouble throughout his career. So he's a developmental prospect because he's a really good athlete, but his technique is bad, and it's been bad. So, All right. Well, let's move on to our next pick, and the New York Guardians, who selected Jaron Jones, an offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, who, when doing my research, was very confused. He confused me a lot. Because he played D-line in college. So I'm looking out here looking for college stats. Not being <laughs> – I'm like, am I looking at the wrong guy? But he apparently played D-line at Notre Dame. And once he got to the NFL, transitioned to offensive tackle, which seems incredibly strange to me. Uh, six, six guys. Uh, there's small pieces of that. What's it? What's it say that again? I'm sorry. Uh, there's that. That's happened before, and that's not usually a, a positive indicative sign. Mm-hmm. Thing, but – well, he is a six six guy. That's a big dude. He's three sixteen, which seems a little light for the height. Ooh, that rhymed. He's twenty five, so he he has room to grow. Uh, five three three, not bad, and twenty two reps on the bench press. So I'm he's pretty strong. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this guy. I don't know. I, I obviously he's not a guy who was really on my radar before this draft, but the D line to O tackle thing especially an offensive tackle. It would make more sense to me if he was a guard, or, not a center, but if he was a guard, just a, a big body and need to throw at people. But a tackle, it seems like yeah. a very technique-driven position. So so the reason that he went to tackle instead of a guard or because coaches want him to go to tackle is because this man's arms are very, very, very long. Mm. So while that helped him a lot in the trenches when he was a D-tackle, because he was pretty good at Notre Dame. He was, I would say he's a standout. 
um, it, it, it wouldn't help him so much on the interior and he'd be better suited for tackle gotcha. just because of his length. Um, so for him, like I said, arms very long. Uh, he's a plus athlete, even though the five three three doesn't look great. That's not that important for big men. Um, he's quick. Uh, con for him is he, I mean, he played D line in college. So mm-hmm. even though he's been in the NFL for a couple of years, he, he hasn't had a lot of experience at O line. So they're kind of hoping that his athleticism will trump any technique flaws that he may have, which usually doesn't happen. So right. best of luck. All right. Well, let's move on to the Houston Roughnecks and their pick, another offensive tackle, Cornelius Edison, a great name, out of Portland State, another undrafted guy, able to find uh, you know, a spot on the Bears roster and the Vikings roster. And apparently for, you know, he, he wasn't a guy who just signed for a couple months and got cut, and which happens. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who was able to find a way to stay on these rosters. And then he was on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad in 2017. Uh, 6'3 for a tackle seems really short to me. And 309 yep. seems pretty light. Uh, 26. It's pretty young. A 5'3", 40, which is not terrible. And a, a decent bench at 25. He seems like a strong dude. Yeah, uh, so he actually, when he was in the NFL, he would play on the interior line mm. because, like you said, six three is very very short for an offensive tackle. Um, if you're not, I would say if you're not six six, you're pushing it, right? Um, unless you just have disproportionate arm length. Um, but yeah, uh, he's a stocky dude that played at a small school. I have no other information about. Gotcha. It. <laughs> All right, uh, for our final pick in this phase. Uh, the D.C. Defenders, selecting Kyle Murphy, offensive tackle out of Stanford. First team All-Pac-12 in 2015. He was drafted in the sixth round of the 2016 draft by the Packers. And some breaking news. I think this happened either today or yesterday. Might not be in the XFL. He got signed by the Texans after being drafted. So that's, oh, wow. he's one of three guys who, after they got drafted, got signed by a team. So I don't know how much it's worth talking about this guy. We'll mention him slightly because it is possible that, you know, the seasons don't coincide and they might cut him again. He was on their team at one point. They cut him. Now they're bringing him back. So he might find time to play in the XFL. But 6'6 guy, 305, seems sort of light, 25 years old. No, he didn't run the 40 at the combine. So all we have is that he did 23 reps on the bench press, which seems good to me. What do you, you you know anything about him? Uh, he is very quick, side to side. Um, that's basically his biggest uh, quality, is that he is very laterally quick. Uh, however, he's kind of needed to add strength, his whole career. not necessarily strength, but just power in his punch. Um, he gets mauled, would be generous, a lot, um, just because he can't get to guys coming at him from the side. If it's not head up against a guy, he's going to have problems. Um so far in his career. Got you. All right. Well, that's it for that phase. We're going to talk. Let's just briefly brush past some of these players that we like. Uh, I really only have one that I'm aware of. Uh, So (laughs) I guess I'll get him out of the way. And that's Nico Ziragusa, who found his way to get drafted by the LA Wildcats. He's another guy who played at San Diego State while I was there. And I actually knew a few people who I never met him personally, but I knew a couple people on that offensive line who said he was like 
their mentor because he was, you know, I think I was a freshman when he was a, in his senior season. And so I knew some of those freshmen uh, offensive linemen who said this guy was really, you know, he taught him the way, and they, you know, he was a leader for that line. And so that makes me feel good about that player. And I don't know much about him. You know, we had a good offensive line. We had that amazing rushing attack with Pumphrey. And so I, I'm just, you know, it's less of a talent thing and more I'm just hoping the guy does well. All right. So I only have a couple guys that actually like that I can, that I identify quick. Uh, John Toth, who's a center out of Kentucky. Uh, really like his just overall size and length. Uh, pause. But um, yeah, just athletically, he's not very good, which is hard to defend when you're an offensive lineman. Uh, but somehow he made it work in college, and it just it worked. And I don't know, I just something about him, maybe like him. I don't know if it was just some weird thing in my brain, but big fan of John Toth. Uh, other thing, and I'm gonna butcher this man's name, and I apologize. I saw this, and I was like, man, how is he gonna say this name? <laughs> yeah. So I believe it is Brian Feninganofo. <laughs> um, I believe that's, that's correct. That's pretty right. That's wrong. I'm impressed. That's pretty right. <laughs> But if, if that's wrong, sorry. Um, this guy went to Idaho State, which is a very tiny school. Um, but he can really play guard or tackle. He's versatile. He's got. He's a. He's your. He's your perfect developmental prospect. So that's all I got to say about him. Anyone else? Is that it? That, that is it. I believe. All right. Phase three. We only got two. We're not going to go. I guess I should have said this up front. We're not going to go in depth on that open phase because there's just too many players to talk about. Uh, I think <laughs> maybe in another episode we'll touch on some more guys we like. We don't have all the time in the world to do this deep dive on every player, but we really wanted to hit the first round of the four main phases. And if there is a guy, I mean, I, I want to do more research on the, on those guys before I get into them, even though there are some names in that round that I did like, like Coney Ely. But, you know, I, I'll wait. Sean Oakman was another guy. I'll wait to go into that, uh, and we'll wait to go into that into it for another episode. Maybe we'll find time during our Tier 1 quarterback episode, which is going to be next week. So anyway, moving on to the defensive front seven, phase three, the first round. All right, let's see if I can say this name. The Tampa Bay Vipers selected Obam Guachum. Is that right? Does that sound right? <laughs> that looks correct to my eyeballs. Obam Guachum. He was a six-round draft by the Seahawks. Um, he played with... I, I guess he didn't sign. Oh, yeah, he made the practice squad for the Seahawks. But I guess didn't make the roster, but did make the roster of the Saints and the Jets. Practice squad with the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Colts. Um, with his college stats, 36 total tackles, 5.5 tackles for loss, four sacks, and one forced fumble. But he only did really get to play one full season, from what I can tell, unless I'm wrong on that. Do you know anything? I so. Uh, he actually, and this is actually, I've never heard of this before, but he was actually came to Oregon State as a wide receiver. Oh, oh. And, uh, and moved him over to defensive end, which is, I've never heard of that before. That's, that's very pretty, pretty bonkers. Um, but yeah, um, that's cool. I've never heard that before, so that's cool. Uh, looking at his measurables, his explosive numbers are crazy because he's a wide receiver uh, in defensive end, um, which is great. And that's not a knock on him at all whatsoever. Interesting. Uh, he's just very, yeah, exactly. He's just very, very interesting. Um, to me, he's kind of an unknown quantity because 
he didn't start playing the position he's currently playing until his last year of college. So that's that's really all I have to say about him. I hope he does well. That's really interesting. Four seven two forty twenty two reps on the bench. I think he's an interesting guy to watch, and there's a reason he went first. And I think I think these guys are going to be more of it's going to be the same thing we saw with probably all of them that these guys are just freak athletes or have some, it's not that they had production or found a way, you know, we're able to make NFL teams. It's that they have this, like something that these coaches think they can exploit that it's just going to, they, all they need, cause they're not looking for guys who are extreme talents. They're looking for guys who have, you know, one key characteristic about them that'll, kind of make them break through their athleticism, things like that, or that are going to, that they can maybe coach that they're like, Oh, these NFL guys, I think that's how they're thinking. That's, that's my opinion. They're thinking, Oh, these NFL guys just didn't see these needs diamonds in the rough. And all they have to do is just get coached well, and they can use these tan- yeah. and they can use these tangibles to uh, dominate this league. All right. We're going to move on. St. Louis battle Hawks, Casey sales, maybe. D tackle out of Ohio, undrafted guy, 2017, was able to find his way onto the Rams roster and the Steelers roster. 110 total tackles in college, 19.5 tackles for loss, and 11.5 sacks. Those seem like some decent numbers to me. Um, mm-hmm. 6'3 guy, 289, only 24. I like that he's young. 499 for a D tackle, pretty good 40, and 30 reps, and that's a strong guy. So, you know anything about this guy? Yep. Uh, so this guy, uh, basically, he's just your classic football player, man. Uh, he'll play until the whistle is blown, and he'll give 3,000% effort. Uh, only problem with him is that uh, he's kind of a first-step guy, where if he doesn't win right away, uh, then basically all he's doing is sucking up that blocker mm-hmm. and hoping that somebody else has come through his gap. Gotcha. Because if he doesn't win right off the snap, then he's probably not going to win um, just because of how he plays. But that's all I know about him. All right. Well, we'll move on. I feel like I did have something I wanted to say about him, but uh, I don't remember. So we're going to move on. Uh, Seattle Dragons, Stansley, Map Maponga. Maponga, that sounds right. I think, oh, yeah, Stansley. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Defensive end out of TCU, first team all Big 12 in 2012. He's a 28-year-old guy, so he's he's a little bit on the older side. Uh, he was in the fifth. He was drafted in the fifth by the Falcons. Um, found his way. You know, he stayed with the Falcons for a good amount of time, 2013 to 2015, and the Giants for what seems to be two seasons. So, you know, he does have some NFL experience. He only had eight tackles and one sack in his time in the NFL, but in college, I like his numbers: 113 total tackles, 23 tackles for loss. 15.5 sacks and eight forced fumbles. I'm feeling like this is a guy that's more of a veteran, um, more experienced guy. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. Um, that's what I would think, too. Uh, looking at his measurables, they're not overly impressive. Uh, looking at him on tape, he's one of those guys who has power and has power on tape, even though he doesn't look like he would. Um, but he is not by any means a fluid athlete. Uh, he doesn't really have a lot of bend around the edge. So he is purely a power edge setter, um, but will probably next call be a veteran presence and kind of just make sure everything goes how it should go. All right, moving on. The L.A. Wildcats, 
selected Anthony Johnson, a D tackle out of LSU. I think I want to note here is I was surprised that all these guys weren't just edge rushers. I was really expecting the entire yeah. round to be nothing but edge rushers, but we got some interior guys. It's mm-hmm. impressive. I like that. Uh, yeah. This guy, he was undrafted. He played for the Miami Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Colts. So, and this isn't practice squad. He made these teams. So that that is impressive to me that he's been on. You know, there's been four teams and Patriots, especially mm-hmm. that they saw talent in this guy enough to make him part of the 53 man roster. Um, 16 total yeah. tackles in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. In college, 77 total tackles, 22 tackles for loss, seven sacks, and an interception from a D tackle. So, yeah. Anything? Uh, what I know about this guy is when he was at LSU, he was behind Michael Bronkers and Benny Logan. Ah. So he did not play very much um, because those are two NFL players. Gotcha. Uh, so he's also a freak athlete. Uh, a lot of SEC guys, especially LSU guys, especially on defense, are freaky athletic. Um, they're just super explosive because in that time period when they had less miles, that's who they recruited. That's who they got to come there. Yeah. Uh, that's all I know about him. He doesn't have a lot of production. When Brockers and Logan moved on, he didn't really fill that void, I guess. Uh, but his numbers are great. He's a freak athlete, so that'll get you a job. Gotcha. All right, well, moving on to the D.C. defenders. James Vodders, an, off, an outside linebacker out of Stanford. So this is our first linebacker taken in this round. Another undrafted guy. Uh, only practice squad guy. Packers, Patriots, Chargers, and Bears. Played in the CFL for three seasons. Um, racked up 58 total tackles there and 11 sacks. In college, he uh, he was able to get 124 total tackles, 21 and a half uh, tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks, and three forced fumbles. More of an edge rusher guy is what it seems to be. Um, 6'2", 245, pretty fast and a good bench. What do you anything you know anything about him? Uh, so this guy is your classic thumper linebacker. Um, if you're dropping him into coverage, you're, he's going to lose. Uh, if you're bringing him in, if you he's a run stopper, if you're bringing him in on a blitz, fine. But uh, he's just very limited as to what he can do on passing downs. He probably won't be on the field. Gotcha. All right. Well, we're gonna move on to the Houston Roughnecks, and they selected a guy you apparently know about, <laughs> based on some notes that are below here. Trenton Thompson, yes, a D tackle out of Georgia, undrafted in 20, uh, 2018. And here's why you know about him: he was on the Browns practice squad. 6'4", 294, right. only 23 years of age, 5'06", great for a D-tackle. And uh, that's all I have to say about him. All right, so let me just let me get ready here. So Trent Thompson is one of those players who, when he went undrafted, I literally had no idea what was going on, and I was so confused to how I couldn't figure out why I was so wrong because I thought this guy was going to go at worst, like, late third round. Um, so after digging a little deeper, I'll get to that. But so this guy is pros. He is, he is ready to play NFL football from a straight athletic profile. He fits right in, uh, his measurables are really, they're, they're great. He meets every metric, metric, metric (laughs) he needs to make, um, to make an NFL team. Uh, he's a tough guy. He played through a shitload of injuries in college, which is also not a good thing to have a shitload of injuries, but. He'll play through pain. He'll be able to. He'll he'll do his job. Uh, he has a very high motor. He will not stop playing until the whistle is blown, and that's 
surprisingly rare um, for D tackles nowadays. Uh, he will always look for someone to hit, even if he's not really in on the play. Uh, he'll always just kind of engage with offensive linemen, even if it's not necessary. If he's getting beat on a passing down, he'll keep working. He'll keep grinding. And he just loves playing football, man. I, you can see it when he plays. If you look back at his Georgia tape, he is just he's having a shitload of fun. Uh, some cons with him. Like I said, he was literally injured through his entire college career. Uh, he played injured, which didn't do him any favors, and he shouldn't have done that. And somebody on the Georgia staff should have stopped him from doing that, but he did it. Um, and since he is so athletic, he was able to just kind of use that to get by uh, in college. And therefore, his hand usage and his overall uh, block shedding technique and pass rushing technique suffered. He doesn't really have a repertoire either because he never had to use it in college to do what he needed to do. Gotcha. That's Trent Thompson. Trent Thompson is my son. Uh, I I like Trent Thompson a whole lot. I think this is the first time we're gonna we've said son on this podcast, so maybe we need to explain. Thomas had introduced to me via uh, I'm sure he had heard this somewhere else, but he had introduced to me the concept of sons, even when they're older than yes. you, having a son. Yes, and that pretty much yes. means that it's a player that we've always kind of been behind, and no matter what happens to him, we're rooting for him. That's mm-hmm. my interpretation. Is that a correct interpretation? Uh, that's correct. But like, like you love your son can't be a blue chip, highly right. rated player because everyone. I mean, because everyone likes you know Andrew Luck. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. Like your son has to be someone who you kind of have to defend a little bit. Or at least somebody is like, who is that? Or why, like, this person is clearly better than them. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That is my son. This is what's going right. on. Right. Like, like Baker Mayfield's not your son, even though you like Baker Mayfield. No, can't be my son. Because he was the first was overall one. pick, you know? Yeah, can't do it. The, the, the most successful son I have is, even though I've kind of jumped through loopholes to make him my son, <laughs> is Jair Alexander right. on the Packers. And even though he was a first-round draft selection, I think, like, two other corners got taken before him, so... Right. I'll justify that. Okay. Well, we'll move on to we've only got two more selections in this round. Uh, the New York Guardians selecting Ben Heaney, the first inside linebacker taken in this phase out of Kansas. First team all Big 12 in 2014, drafted in the fifth round by the Raiders. Uh, he was able to play with the Raiders in 2015-2016. Also spent time with the Saints and the Texans. In the NFL, he was able to rack up 55 total tackles. Two and a half sacks, five tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. In college, he was a stud with three 34 total tackles, which is what you kind of expect out of an inside linebacker, but 36 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, four interceptions, three forced fumbles, six one guy, 235, 27 years old, 459 speed. I mean, I'm liking it. What do you think? Um, On tape, the problem with him is... It doesn't look like he's reading the plays. It looks like he's legit just guessing like where the ball is at and going there a million miles an hour, which is if it works, great. But there are some plays where it doesn't work and he goes to either the wrong gap or at times the other complete wrong side of the field. And it looks really bad. Um, yeah. I mean, he has the measurables to play. And to do good, especially at this level, but he's gotta, he's gotta, he's gotta get coached a little better. And part of that, I think, is just because Kansas has not been good at football for a decade. But 
I mean, we'll see how he does. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's get to our last selection in this first round of the defensive front cool. seven and a name that's hard to pronounce. Dallas Renegades select, oh boy, Ha'ul Ali Kikaha. All right. Ooh, is that good? That seemed correct. The end out of Washington. This guy was a second team All Pac 12 in 2013, first team All Pac 12 in 2014, and a unanimous All American in 2014. He was drafted in the second round. It's a high draft pick, especially for the XFL to be in the XFL now. So he makes you question, but he spent time at the Saints, three seasons with the Saints. While he was in the uh, NFL, he racked up 62 total tackles, six tackles for loss, eight sacks, four forced fumbles. In college, 206 total tackles, 51 tackles for loss, 35.5 sacks, five forced fumbles, 6'3 guy, 246, 27 years of age, not incredibly fast, but good speed, and a decent bench. Wouldn't you have anything to say about him? Uh, this guy is your pure pass rush specialist. Uh, he really doesn't offer anything in terms of run defense or setting the edge. Uh, this is a guy when you absolutely need to get to the quarterback, he is on the field. Um, he has had some knee issues in the past, so kind of a medical red flag there. But otherwise, th- this is your pure pass rush specialist. Um, that's really all he can do, but, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Gotcha. All right. Well, I guess we're going to talk quickly. I don't have any guys really here. Um, if you want to mention some of the defensive front seven guys that you like from the later rounds. All right. So for the D.C. defenders, Scooby Wright, uh, really liked him when the Browns drafted him, got really excited. Uh, he is a classic run-stopping LB, but he can he, he can cover tight ends. He's just not particularly good at it, but he, he can do it. Um, really, my biggest boy out of this whole group is T. Gray Scales, who's a linebacker of Indiana, got drafted by the Dallas Renegades, was a tackling machine at Indiana. Um, basically, if you went to where T. Gray Scales was within 10 yards of, you were getting tackled. Uh, really like T. Gray Scales. I hope he does really, really well. Um, yeah, that's all I really want to talk about cool. for those guys. All right, let's move on to the final phase we're going to be talking about today. Seems like, man, we've been going on forever, but this is the nature of what this podcast was going to be when there's so many players that you don't know. Yeah. And you just got to, I mean, I really, I probably knew like 10 players out of these and everything else was research. That's kind of why you're hearing me uh, let Thomas do all the talking when it comes to these That's things. Right. But, you know, as the season gets started, and I think I'm going to, when I actually get to see these guys play, because it's, it's hard, especially in as little notice yeah. as we had, the draft was a couple days ago. I was trying to jam all these mm. players in. It's, I think once I get to, because I'm going to watch it, we're going to watch every single XFL game. We're going to become familiar with all these players. And I think. I bet, I bet that by the time, by the time the season goes on, I think you'll have a better idea. That's of true. Players. I mean, yeah, we so. did have such little time, but we, you know, we wanted to get this out there. Cause I feel like a lot of people don't know anything about these players except their names. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's important that we kind of talk about them, at least introduce some of these guys, and especially the players that were picked in this first round, because those are the team, those are the players that these teams are trying to build around. So, all right, let's move into phase four, the defensive backs. Um, so Thomas took the notes on these. So if my uh, right. my if my reading isn't as spectacular as it as it's been so far, you can blame Thomas. Um, yeah, so the first pick, the Dallas Renegades selected Darren Smith. Uh, what's an SAF? A safety. 
that's how they did it in the uh got you so we're gonna do saf is safety i would have just put an s that's how they did it well i was okay so when the xfl twitter released like the player pool like for safety they put saf <laughs> and i was like what the fuck is saf and then i figured it out and i was like oh yeah that, that makes sense. all right well so darren smith a safety out of fresno state he was a sixth round pick uh, in the 2015 draft by the Bengals. He played for the Bengals and the Browns. He was on the Vikings practice squad, uh, spent some time in the AAF in their one failed season. The San Antonio Commanders was his team. Uh, ran a 4-6-40. What do you have to say about him? Uh, I really like Darren Smith. Um, he was really good for the Browns um, as a stopgap kind of replacement player. Uh, he's really good athlete for the position. You can play. You can play him and start him in the NFL at single high safety and be fine. Um, obviously, he's not going to be able to play up against like a premier receiver, but he can. You could do a lot worse than Darren Smith. Um, he was arguably the best defensive back in the AAF, um, statistically and whatever. Arguably, he was the best. Uh, only problem with him is he is small. He is not a big guy. Um, and you can kind of see it whenever he lays a hit, you know, sometimes he tries to tackle and it just doesn't work. Um, uh, if it's a bigger receiver, he's going to have a lot of trouble covering them, especially if he's kind of left by himself in single high responsibility and he's not going to cover a tight end. Um, if they're really, if they're a traditional tight end or if they're just not one of these, uh, kind of newfangled receiving only tight ends. Uh, he's he's not going to be able to cover him. It's just not in his skill set. It's not something he can do. It's not something he should be asked to do. Okay. But he's still quite good. Like me some dancing. All right. Well, he was the first pick of these defensive backs, so he better be good. <laughs> yes. All right. The new up next, New York Guardians selected Jamar Summers, a cornerback out of UConn, undrafted guy in 2018, um, only a practice squad guy in the NFL, the Steelers, the Lions, and the Dolphins. Uh, 5'10", 193, with a four five five forty and a 37-inch vert. Those seem like decent. You know, four five five speed seems pretty good to me. Um, what do you have mm-hmm. to say? So, Jamar Summers comes from the golden age of UConn DBs where they put out a they put out a DB in the NFL basically every year, sometimes multiple. Uh, you got, like, uh, Obi Mowenifu. I don't know how to say his last name. That was not I, how you I mean, say that. I that guy. I know that name. Okay. I can't say it either. I know it's Obi, but whatever. Whatever. But people like them. Um, so Jamar Summers, if people like them, that sounds bad. Um, people from UConn, <laughs> uh, they put out decent DBs um, usually. Uh, he's an above-average athlete. Uh, he has a lot of good tape in college. Uh, he played safety and corner in college too. Um, he just he's not he doesn't have the long speed to play as corner, so he will be in the NFL. So he may be a corner in the XFL, but if he's going to go to the level after this, it will be at safety because otherwise he just doesn't have the long speed. Um, he's nothing really special as a tackler. He'll wrap up, but that's about all you're getting from him. He will never lay the boom really. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of his, his limbs are kind of thin, so he could probably add a little weight and be fine. But if that's just how his body is, that's unfortunate. But that's gonna hurt him in tackling and contact in general. All right. Well, let's move on to Houston Roughnecks and their selection. At a name, another name is it Deji 
Ulatoy? I mean, that sounds right. Ulatoy, right? Cornerback. Out of, what is NCANT? Uh, North Carolina, whatever ANT stands for, agricultural and technological, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Small school, very small. Undrafted. Uh, journeyman. He did. Was able to make the rosters with uh, the Falcons, the Cowboys, the and the Buccaneers. Ravens practice squad, 6'1", 205, and uh, 446 speed. I, I, that sounds like some decent measurables, and he was a guy who was able to make some rosters, and I think that's probably why he got picked here in the first round. What do you have on him? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy had some very, very good years, or years, like a good stretch with the Cowboys um, when he was actually a starting corner for them for some time. Um, but after he kind of had his decent stretch, it just kind of all downhill from there. And he's never kind of regained back to where he was. So, I mean, he has all the tools to do whatever he wants. Uh, he's a little older now, but it's just kind of he hasn't really proven that he can still do that and play at that level gotcha. since then. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to the D.C. defenders and their pick. Elijah Campbell, a cornerback out of Northern Iowa. Undrafted in 2018, 5'11", 190. Was on the Browns practice squad. You know, young guy. Uh, 4'3", 6'40". It's a fast dude. So, what do you have to say? Uh, this guy is your typical slot corner. He is fast as shit. He is quick as shit. Um, he's, he's an athlete. Um, his upside is there. Uh, the only problem is he just doesn't have the skill and the nuance to, to play football at the professional level. You're right. Uh, just but yet. is a young guy. It might change the XFL, but he just he, it's not there yet. He needs to be coached. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy though, and uh, yes, we'll see what the defenders can do with him. Um, a name I have heard of: uh, the LA Wildcats selected Jack Tocho, cornerback out of NC State. Um, in this notes, it says my son Thomas wrote these notes. <laughs> so this is Thomas's yes. son. He was a seventh round pick by the Vikings. And that's why I've heard of this guy. Six foot, two hundred yes. pounds. Four, five, six. Uh, what do you have on him? Uh, he so in college he played cornerback. He should not have played cornerback. He should have played safety. Uh, he's not fast enough to play corner. Um, he wasn't really fast enough to play corner at in the college level either. Um, but he's a great tackler. Uh, he's not like a big hitter, but he'll wrap up and he's not going to miss many tackles. Uh, he kind of reminds me of like a. Like a like a like a discount Jabril Peppers in terms of his skill set, not necessarily in terms of his talent, um, but just what he can do and what he's capable of doing, um, just with his physical abilities. Uh, he is a hybrid safety, uh, so he can kind of be deep in the deep in zone coverage, or he can kind of come up and play run support. Um, but if you're asking to play man coverage, or you're asking to be kind of a single high. You're gonna have a bad time. Uh, he's gonna get burnt a lot just because he's he's not fast enough. Got you. And I do want to point out in the notes here. You, I read it as a four five six forty, but you wrote down a four five six fifty. So was that was yes, that a so typo, I, or is this guy just like uh, so fast, or like you got to run a fifty? That is a typo because <laughs> my slapdash note taking organization. Mm, all right, we're gonna move on to the Seattle Dragons pick. Hmm, let's see if I can say this is Javante Dean, cornerback at Miami. I think that's correct. Undrafted in yep. 2018, a 6'1", 180-pound guy. 
you didn't write really much else here. Um, <laughs> so enough. basically, this guy, the only thing I know about him, well, I know some things about him, but um, so he went to, he was originally going to go to Cincinnati, uh, didn't have the grades to get into Cincinnati, so he went to Blinn, which is in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, he actually got an offer from Alabama and committed to Alabama, but then got an offer from Miami, decided to go to Miami instead for some reason. Um, but did that, went to Miami. Uh, most Miami DBs are freak athletes, and Devontae Dean is no exception. He's fast as shit. He's explosive as shit. Um, but at this point, he's really just an upside project for a DB coach to mold. So he's never, or at least is not going to be, a NFL starter for some years, but in the XFL, his athleticism may win out. All right. Well, let's move on. More Thomas notes, so I'm going to be very brief here. Um, the St. Louis Battlehawks selected Herb Miller, a safety out of FAU, on draft in 2019. Very young guy. Uh, Chiefs, was he was on the practice. All you wrote here was Chiefs. I'm going to assume it's, he was on the practice squad of the Chiefs. Uh, 6 2 190. Yes, so, yes. so he's very quick and he's not afraid of contact, but he is not fast and he needs to be in a double high safety role, which means he cannot be the lone safety in the middle of the field, uh, but he's not big enough to play strong safety. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sucks. He doesn't suck, but that just sucks that his skill set is that way. Gotcha. That's what I know about Herb. All right, well, let's get on to the final pick in this first round of the defensive back phase. Tampa Bay Vipers with Arion Springs, a cornerback out of Oregon, undrafted in 2019, another young guy. Um, Another guy who was on the Chiefs, just Chiefs, that's all he wrote here. Chiefs practice squad. Yep. Uh, 5'11", 208. So this guy is a great athlete, as most Oregon DBs are. Uh, they know how to recruit him up there. Um, the thing that is weird about him that breaks the norm of Oregon DBs is he's actually kind of more of a stocky build. Um, being at 208 pounds, which at 5'11", he's got a little meat on you. That's fine. Um, but that helps him because when you're pressing off the line, he's got a little mustard behind his punch. So it'll knock those thinner-framed wide receivers kind of off their route a little bit and – Mess the Tommy up and maybe end up with Nick completion as your pick. But he's also fast. Um, so if his punch fails or doesn't work out how he should, or if he gets staggered, then he can kind of catch up. Uh, the only problem with him is because he's stocky, while that helps him on the line, uh, if you have a receiver that's longer, um, he's going to have a big, big problem uh, tracking the ball and breaking the pass up. Uh, and his ball skills are not good. He can't really high point it uh every time i've seen it on tape where he's got a pick it's been a gimme pick right to him or something that he should have gotten or he was in a great position too but he just kind of let it come to him instead of going for it and he ends up dropping it or just had no shot at it. all right well that's gonna be it for this first round let's talk about some of our key guys that we thought got picked in later round i did have two guys highlighted here but i really only want to talk about one um kenny robinson the guy out of West Virginia, the safety uh, for the St. Louis Battlehawks. And he was kind of a name that was really, there was a lot of talk about him because he's sort of, he's on a way different path than all these other players in this draft. And that 
he still has college eligibility and well, not anymore, but he, he was, you know, he, he's not eligible for the NFL draft. And so what he's going to do instead of playing that final college season, because he's not allowed right? his grades or something, right. That he can't play NCAA football. Yes. Now he has, um, he's got to find some other way to prove his talents before going into the NFL draft where he's projected to get drafted. I don't know how early I know at one place I saw, I think it was PFF that I saw he was projected at first. And I don't know if that was recently, but you know, I think he will get drafted somewhere. And even if it's the later rounds and he's really the first guy to say, you know, fuck college, I'm going to go play in the XFL and get paid, even though he can't play in college. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I think, you know, there's potential that he could be really good because he is a talent that we haven't really seen anything from at the NFL level. So this is his first pro ball, and I'm kind of interested to see how he plays. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to go over some of the guys I like in this class. Uh, Jalen Myrick, who's a corner in Minnesota, uh, really, really fast. Um, that's really all I have to say about him. He's extremely fast. I think he ran in the four two DC defenders, or at least four threes. Yes, DC defenders. Yeah. Uh, on the Houston Roughnecks, Ed Reynolds was a safety out of Stanford. Uh, he was good. He played for the Browns briefly and was good. Uh, unfortunately, we had to cut him loose because he had too many injury problems. But he played well for us, so you know, I like him a lot. Uh, Brandon Langley, who's a quarterback at a Lamar. Uh, Lamar's not too far from my hometown of Friendswood, Texas. Mm. So uh, I get to kind of watch some Lamar games because they would actually be on TV uh, for some reason. I don't know why, but I would watch them. you're a nerd. And uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't watching. I played but, football too with you, Thomas. I wasn't watching high school football games. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but Brandon Langley uh, just – you could tell he's kind of better than the level of football he's playing at, uh, which Lamar is just a lower class of D1. Uh, we are talking about Darren Smith, Channing Stribling on the Seattle Dragon, <clears throat> Seattle Dragons. Uh, really liked him playing at Michigan. Uh, he was opposite Jordan Lewis, and I think that was the best corner tandem in the Big Ten at the time. Uh, unfortunately, Michigan has sucked for the last decade, so they don't get the credit they deserve. Gotcha. There's our draft analysis shit that took forever. We're like, what, an hour and 31 minutes into our podcast right now? So we're going to hit, you know, this is going to be, I said this earlier, this is going to be our longest episode, and it's just going to be the nature of it because we had so much to talk about. I assume our tier one quarterback conversation is not going to be nearly as long but because there's only eight of them. But I think that will still be a decent episode. Our aim is an hour. What we're at now, not an hour. So sorry about that. And if you found that boring, I'm sorry. But I think it was important that we talked about all these players. And, you know, it's great. Thomas knows all these players. And Thomas was well-researched. Right. How much research? Because I did a shit ton of research. And I was not even – you were. I was surprised by how much you knew about every single player. So, I mean, some of these guys I actually forgot that I knew about. I just had to jog my memory. And once I got that role, and that helped a lot. Um, but also – um, kind of at work, I don't necessarily have a lot of downtime, but I have a lot of time where I can multitask. Mm-hmm. So that's helps. Gotcha. All right. Well, we still yes. have two more things I want to talk about, and so that might push this podcast to two hours. But you know, fuck it. It's an introduction. Fuck and, it. You know, some people are driving in their cars a really long time, so 
they, like me who listen to podcasts for I like I like three four hour podcasts. So this is gonna be two, hopefully. All right, so now we're gonna move on to our way too early predictions. I don't know how much you've thought about this because I haven't thought about that much. Thought about that much either. But you know, just gut feeling. Kind of layered this in a way that I shouldn't have, and I think probably we're gonna save MVP for second to last. Okay. Or we're gonna okay. go coach of the year, defensive MVP, okay. MVP. Okay. Who's gonna be in the championship, and then who's gonna be the winner? The okay. plan. So, coach okay. of the year, who do you think it's gonna be? For me, and this is going off of just who I know and what I know. Uh, I'm I'm was torn between June Jones and Bob Stoops, um, but I'm gonna have to go with June Jones just because he runs that offense that he runs. And I think that will transition. Transition. I think that will do well in the XFL. All right. I'm going to go with a guy you just mentioned, Bob Stoops, just because I think he brought in guys that he's acquainted with, and he knew what kind of team he was going to be building in this draft. And I, I think mm-hmm. his team is most set up for success. And this might be a spoiler a little bit for later, but I just think when you have a team – that's really good, regardless of how you're coaching. Even if you're just an average coach, but your team wins a ton because you're super talented, I think and that's sort of how the NFL works with their coach of the year. We don't know if they're even do these awards, but just like whatever team is kind of the best, we're kind of like, okay, you should, yeah. that guy should get the award. And, you know, I mean, I, it doesn't always happen that way, but Matt Nagy, like his yeah. team wasn't the best team in the league because yeah. he, he was innovative for that one season. You know, well, salt's coming. I see it. There's no salt. Well, how's his offense doing this year? This isn't an NFL topic. This isn't an NFL podcast. I'm just saying, how's that Bears offense this season? Um, well, it's ran by Trubisky, so not so good. It was ran by Trubisky last year. All right. Anyway, I think Bob Stoops kind of made his team. I think he won the draft, and I think his team's going to be very good, and that's going to bode well for him getting. Uh, the coach of the year. All right, let's move on to Fair. defensive MVP. Okay, so for me, I'm going to go ahead and just say it's going to be Darren Smith. Um, that's based off of just his talent level and his performance in the AAF. I think, I don't want to say he's a lock, but I'm fairly confident that if it's, A, if it's going to be a DB, it'll be him. Right. Um, I can see one of these front seven players that I'm not, super familiar with doing better but uh if i had to put money on it it'd be darren smith all right well i'm kind of struck i'm kind of stuck between uh two guys right now for my defensive mvp and again i don't know a lot about these players but something says to me that this this uh oh man i gotta say why did i even think about him because i gotta say his name haoli kikaha he put up big numbers in college and he was a NFL guy. I mean, he was able to stick with the Saints for three years. And as you said, he's he's a big, you know, he's a guy who runs with reckless abandon. Like, even though he's not a super talented guy, I think he's going to lay a lot of big hits. I think he, and I think he's going to be a highlight reel kind of guy. You remember when, when the AAF started? And I don't remember who it was, but yes. one of those quarterbacks got rocked and his helmet flew off. And that yeah. was like what made people watch the AAF, Loki. I think yeah. this guy is a guy who's going to make plays like that. And, then, you know, he is a first-round okay. guy, and I'm inclined to say that a first-round guy is one of the better talents. All right. But that's not going to be my pick. 
even though I just hyped him up. Oh, My wow. pick is going to be Robinson on the total unknown that he's right. going to bring something. You know, I think he has talent that we're not, you know, that he can't play in the NFL. Lots of these other guys can play. And this is, again, I'm not basing this on a lot of information. I'm saying a lot of these guys couldn't stick with in the NFL. And this guy hasn't had a chance. So on the off chance that he just comes in and he's incredible and he's an NFL talent, but he's just not allowed to play there. I think that tips the scales for him in my book. So I'm going to go with Kenny Robinson as my defensive MVP. All right. All right. Up next, let me see. I got to scroll through these notes the whole time. What are we on? MVP? All right. MVP. No, you said we're going to say No, we're not doing MVP last. We'll do we'll do championship teams and the winner last. So we're going to do MVP next. So are you ready for that? Give me a second. Let me just look through again real quick. All right, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a quarterback. I think that's probably the smart option. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's Landry Jones because that's the guy who they were trying to making the face of the XFL. He was the first player at all announced for the XFL, and it's not purely on talent, but I think he is a talented guy. Uh, We're going to go into it more when we get our Tier 1 quarterback argument, but I think... He is going to be the best quarterback on the best team. And so you're going to see a lot of Dallas in my selections here. I just think he's going to be in a system that works for him. And he has weapons. And he has weapons he's familiar with. And I think it's going to bode well for him. He's going to get the MVP. All right. Well, I'm going to go against the grain and not pick a quarterback, but instead pick a running back and say it's going to be my boy, Kristen Michael, okay. um, I think his jack-of-all-trades ability to kind of do anything will actually help him more than it will hurt him in the XFL uh, just because he can do everything, so I think he'll be on the field more. Um, and I think he'll get the stats, and I think he'll get the production and look at the team around him. I think he'll be in a prime position to be able to win the MVP. All right. And so now we got to pick our championship teams. And if Thomas, I could direct your eyes down to the notes because I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but I have. If you go to general notes, I've broken down which conference okay. I wish. So it's going to be one team from each of those conferences. Okay, I see. <laughs> so okay, okay. Pick. Uh, I'll go first. I think the championship is going to come down to Dallas and DC, and that's just because I think those okay. were the two best rosters uh, from draft. Okay. I think DC. All right. Is just a talented team. Um, I, I and then Dallas. I've just talked a ton about, and I don't know how I feel about Tampa Bay. So I, I'm pretty much locked in on Dallas, but I got to kind of argue myself. I've already said enough about Dallas why I think they're there, but I got to kind of argue for myself here on why I'm picking DC. Tampa Bay. They made some questionable decisions in this draft, and if that tight end in the first round doesn't work out, we're going to see pretty quickly. Um, St. Louis and New York, I just don't think uh, – I just wasn't impressed by their selections. I just don't think their teams are as talented. I do like um, – uh, Matt McGloin is good for the New York, and I just don't know how I feel about their skill players, DeMarcus Ayers. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to go with D.C. there because I like the talent that they had. Uh I would also like to direct your eyes to the notes because you have St. Louis on the <laughs> Well, one of them. All right, let me look. Who, who's mix, mixed up here? 
All right, Dallas, Houston. So let's say all the teams here. LA, DC, New York, yep. Houston, Tampa Bay, St. Louis. Who's missing? LA, LA is missing? So LA instead of yes. St. St. Louis. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really change my opinion. So um, for me, are you done? I'm sorry. Okay. So um, for me, um, and this might be a little confusing with who I picked as my coach of the year, but I think the championship teams are going to be D.C. and Dallas as well. Um, now, I do think that June Jones will still win the coach of the year, but with them drafting um, Connor Cook uh, as early as they did, I think they're kind of playing the long game and hoping that, you know, this, this XFL thing sticks around for a little bit. Um, so, yeah. I also agree that I think it's going to be DC and Dallas. Same reasons. For the same reasons. Same reasons you said. Uh, they just, I believe they have the best rosters. Uh, I think outside, just outside the pack, I really like St. Louis's roster as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a personal thing for me. Uh, and I could kind of see it going any way between DC and St. Louis. But if I had a gun in my head and had to pick, I would say DC. All right. So now, who is going to win? that championship game. And as you can tell, I've been bandwagoning Dallas. I'm going to say Dallas is going to win this whole thing. I just think the same reasons I argued for him. It's because all I could say about DC was they had the best roster, but Dallas has literally crafted their team perfectly for their coaches and their players. And that's just going to win them the league. Well, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with DC. And because of their quarterback, Cardale Jones, mm-hmm. who came off the bench as a third string quarterback, to win the Natty for Ohio State University, uh, so you know he's got a bit of gamer in him. So I think he'll he'll step up to the plate, throw the ball for 500 yards as he does, and uh, yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be a QB competition in that championship game if it really does come down to Dallas and DC. That's all right. Nice. Well, now the time we've all been waiting for. It's time to claim our teams. Now, I've right. thought about this long and hard. Have you? Oh, you have. Uh, my team will be the St. Louis Ooh, Battle Wow, Hawks. okay. So why? Yes. Uh, I like the players on their roster. Um, Battle Hawks is a cool is. name. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's paired with St. Louis, which is, no, no offense to any St. Louis. But? But, uh, yes. St. Louis doesn't have a football team. They're going to have the best fans. Ah, see, didn't think about football that. Football team. So there you go. At all. St. Louis is also kind of a rough city to be in at night. <laughs> so I just okay. So originally, before really all this info came out, it was just the names and those cheesy little descriptions they had. I was like, all right, I'm a St. Louis Battlehawk fan because I like their colors. They were my favorite yeah. colors. I like their logo, yeah. and I was like, man, St. Louis probably wants a football, and they're going to probably have the best uh, home field advantage in the league. They probably have the best fans because St. Louis fans are starved for football because they were ripped away to L.A. And I think we're going to get a good rivalry with St. Louis and L.A. I think that's going to be a good game. But my selection, did I cut you off at all? Okay. So my selection, and I've been thinking about this a long time, and I I was originally, this was actually probably my least favorite when it was the first announced. I've come, I've come around to it. 
and I'm ready to stan the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say the Viper. Oh, oh no, 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 not the Tampa Bay Viper. The Houston Roughnecks. And I kinda explained this to Thomas a little bit. Um, I fucking hate their colors. Right? They're mm-hmm. disgusting. And I hate red, white, and blue. Not that I like oh I like America. America's cool, but it's just red, white, and blue is overdone. And I'm like, all right, I've seen enough red, white, and blue everywhere as like a color scheme. And so that's what originally made me not like them. But they do have a cool logo. You know, I do I do appreciate the logo and I do I think they have a cool name too. I don't think there will ever be another sports team called the Roughnecks. Right? So there's something unique about them there. But then it's, it's I've just always wanted to be a homer. So we live in Houston. Or I live in Houston, but you know Thomas is from. He was spent. We both went to high school here. I'm here now. He's in uh, yep. Lubbock, but um, right. I've just always wanted to be a homer. And the chance to go see one of these games live, hopefully more than one, but the chance to go see one of these game lives that, that intrigues me. Um, June Jones is an interesting character. He actually wanted Manzel on his team. <laughs> So that scares me. And then I was watching the tape of Philip Walker, and I was like, "Ooh, I like this guy." Like out of all the quarterbacks or something, I was like, "This guy's versatile." There's something I like. He just had something that I was like, "Why is this guy not in the NFL?" And I need to watch more tape and figure out why he's not in the NFL. But uh, we'll do that on our tier one quarterback episode, which is going to be next time. So thanks for tuning in to the XFL Extra Point Podcast, the first episode. Please stick around. So much. This was this was long. This was long. It was a little long. you know, next time, hopefully we're aiming for that hour mark. We're at hour 46 right now. There's going to be some editing probably. So it might come a little shorter than that. But uh, anything you want to say, Thomas? Uh, If you've stuck with us this far, thanks for watching. Uh, Watching. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll make a YouTube. Uh, I'm probably going to make a YouTuber. This will probably be up on YouTube um, because might as well post it everywhere, right? So, just thanks for watching, guys. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed our analysis. I know there hasn't been a ton of analysis done, and even though this probably wasn't amazing, I was just reading facts, and Thomas didn't have very much time to do research. Hey, if we're fucking wrong about something, like, tell us we're fucking wrong. We, we don't know shit. We're just people who like football. Yeah. We don't know shit about shit. So, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.